In our service today, we'll be thinking about the beginning of Jesus's ministry in Galilee. Now, at Christmas, we celebrate Jesus, God's own son, being born of Mary and coming to live with us. And in St. John's Gospel, we read, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. A reading from Mark chapter 1, verses 21 to 34. Reading from the New International Version of the Bible. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit, cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him, with a shriek. People were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this, a new teaching? And with authority, he even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with, with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand and helped her up. The fever left her and she began to wait on them. That evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak, because they all knew who he was. Well, this passage describes the beginning of Jesus's public ministry. Jesus is in Capernaum, which is on the shores of Lake Galilee. It's the Sabbath, which is our Saturday. And Jesus goes with some of his followers at Simon, Andrew, James and John to the local synagogue. And in this service, Jesus begins to teach the people. 
And we read that the people see that Jesus speaks and teaches with an authority that they don't see in other rabbis. They sense he's different. Now, in part, this may be due to the fact that he's not teaching in the usual way. From what I've read, the rabbis would start with the scriptures and then they'd often go on to discuss and, and talk about the details of the law, what the law states and, and how it's interpreted and the, and the rules and practices that go along with this in order to guide people um, in enabling them to comply with the, the law of Moses. And often teachers would give extensive cross references and quote other teachers, demonstrating their depth of learning, their knowledge, their understanding, and always building on who's gone before. Perhaps a little bit like a, a university academic giving a thesis to his students. Now, in contrast, Jesus appeared to speak more simply. For example, he uses, used parables based on ordinary life and very few references to other religious leaders of the day. Jesus's main references were always to scripture itself. And Jesus offers his own teaching and interpretation of what the hearer should do with what's being said and how it should be applied in their lives. So Jesus's style is completely different. It's engaging and the hearers say it had the ring of authority. Now in our reading, Jesus is teaching in, in the synagogue and a man possessed with an impure spirit reacts to Jesus's words and cries out, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Well, in our churches today, how often does the preacher get interrupted? It's not a cue for you to all start pushing the button. But perhaps in the past, it happened more frequently than it does today. So what happened here? It was a man, so he would have been in the main body of the synagogue. But what does he cry out? Well, it starts with, what do you want with us? So the voice is speaking in the plural and implies the spirit of the person or the spirit inside him is talking as a representative of the spirit world and is speaking through the person. Because Jesus appears not to, to talk to the man, but addresses the spirit. Now, the spirit says, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are the Holy One of God. The Spirit identifies Jesus as God's Holy One. Now, this is a messianic title for Jesus, um, but it's not a title that's in common usage or by, by the people around at the time. And this is the beginning of Jesus's ministry. So he would have just been the carpenter from Nazareth or just another rabbi, not God's Holy One. So it would appear that somehow the spirit world, and this spirit in particular, identifies very closely and carefully who Jesus is, yet the man doesn't. The event is an encounter with an evil spirit or a demon. Uh, and the spirit seems ready to acknowledge who Jesus is, but then that ensues this conversation between Jesus and the spirit, resulting in a command from Jesus, talking to the spirit and not to the man, telling the spirit to leave the person. Now, all day today, there may be questions about whether the man was possessed or mentally ill. I'll leave that open. But the key point 
is that whatever the source of the problem was, Jesus spoke and the man changed. And the people said, you know, what is all of this? Because he's, he's now different. He's, he's better. Then the next part of the passage, we see that after this event in the synagogue, Jesus goes with the disciples, Simon Andrew, um, to, to Andrew's home, where Simon's mother-in-law is unwell with a fever, a physical ailment. And Jesus goes to her and immediately she recovers. She gets up and was able to help them. She had a fever. Jesus went to her and now she doesn't have a fever. Then in the last part of the passage, we read that after sunset, the local people start bringing all the people they can find who are ill to Jesus, and he heals them. Now, this is after sunset. The significance of this is, of course, that the Sabbath ends at sunset. And so this was the next day. And the casting out of a spirit or, or healing and the recovery of Simon's mother, they, these were events before sunset. So they were events on the Sabbath. But you were not supposed to do work on the Sabbath. And they often viewed healing and, and this sort of thing as work. But anyway, the next day, i.e. after sunset, they brought everybody they could find who needed help. So in this short passage, we describe Jesus as a person who had command in both the spirit world and the physical world. Jesus demonstrated power and authority in both. Now, a few days later, in the, as the passage reads on, which we didn't read today, um, Jesus goes away and then he comes back to Capernaum, which is his base uh, for his ministry. And a paralyzed man is brought on a stretcher and let down through a hole in the roof. It's probably a story many of many people will know. They let him down so that the man can be in front of Jesus. So here we are, the, the paralytic, uh, the, the paralyzed man is in front of Jesus. And Jesus starts to say to the man, your sins are forgiven. Now, Jesus knew this would provoke a reaction from the religious leaders who were there and were perhaps pushing boundaries on how they might react. Because the religious leader said, well, oh, you, you know, you, you can't forgive sins. Um, you know, only God can forgive forgive sins because a sin is a uh, is going against God's will and only God can forgive so what are you doing saying this and anyway saying your sins are forgiven are just words you know they might be true it might not be true anybody could say it uh, it doesn't necessarily grant forgiveness so Jesus turns to the to the people to the religious leaders and says is it easier to say your sins are forgiven, or get up and walk. Now, the easier one is actually to say the words because you don't have to live with the consequences. You know, you can say the words and maybe they do or don't work. But if you say to somebody who can't walk, get up and walk, they either get up or walk or they don't. And this man, when Jesus says to him, get up and walk, gets up and walks it's the harder thing to do and the healing is related in this instance to the forgiveness of sins because jesus came to put our relationship right with god the father and that is to forgive us of our sins and to bring us salvation 
But along with salvation, he also brought healing of body, mind and spirit to the people that he met. So it wasn't an either or, it was a both. Forgiveness of sins, restoration of relationship with God and healing of ailments and healing of the mind and the body. Now, together, these passages, as I say, are showing that Jesus is from God. He's the Holy One of God, the Messiah, and he has authority to heal the physically ill and to command spirits in the spirit realm. Whatever your illness, whether it be in body, mind or spirit, Jesus has power and authority in that place. Now, how did Jesus react to all of those who came to him? We're told that they brought a large number of people. What did he do? Did he send them away saying, oh, I'm, I'm a bit tired now. You know, it's a bit late. I think can come back tomorrow. No, we don't get that. From the story, it says he met them all. Even though he was drained by spending so much of his time with them, he stayed with them. And everyone who came was affected by him. And this is a demonstration of God's love. Jesus shows us that it is the Father's will and the Father's heart to interact with us, to heal, to forgive and to strengthen. Now, I don't think there's any question that Jesus could and did heal. And he interacted for good with everybody who came to him. He told them their sins were forgiven. He brought them the message of salvation, that God loves them, but not just in some esoteric way but in practical ways helping and healing and changing the lives of the people and Jesus showed us in human terms God's love God's compassion his care and help and he helps us along our road through this physical world to our death and then through death itself to everlasting life the healing and deliverance was through Christ's work alone and when Jesus gave permission to his disciples to heal and cast out demons, it was granted as power and authority in Jesus's name. It's Jesus who heals. Jesus who cleanses and drives out the demons. It's Jesus who comes alongside with compassion to show us love and forgiveness of the father. Because Jesus only does what he sees the father doing. And Jesus and God the father are one with each other. So when the disciples did these things, it was Jesus working through them. So all of this brings us to, well, what about today? Well, Jesus is the same today, and he's with us with his, by the power of his Holy Spirit within us as believers. He hasn't changed. And though he's not physically with us, he is with us through his spirit, and he's not limited by time and space. And we're meeting in different places at the same time, with a small time delay from Zoom, of course. And he's here with us now. In the same way that 2,000 years ago, people were brought to Jesus. Today, we too can come to Jesus at any time and in any place. Right now, we can come near to him. But you have to come. The people went to Jesus you have to come to him. You have to ask. The very act of coming to him and asking is itself an act of faith, because if you didn't believe, you wouldn't do that. 
So if you don't, don't be misled into thinking that you don't have enough faith. You do just by the very act of coming and asking. Now, Jesus, is, Jesus does heal and he changes our lives. But we can't blackmail him or coerce him into what he does. We can't bribe him or tell him what to do. We often want a particular result of a prayer. But he's not like that. He always acts in our best interests and with, with love in his heart. And even though we might not realize it, he always, he always does the best for us. The other thing is Jesus doesn't take us out of the world. So to do that, we'd have to go to heaven. He doesn't tell us that the world will suddenly become perfect. But he does promise that he'll be with us at all times and in all circumstances. We are part of this world, the physical world around us. We influence it and it influences us. We can't get away from that. And coronavirus has perhaps shown us that very, very clearly. But it is a world in which God rules and God rules through Jesus. And Jesus has the right to step in, to issue commands, to still the storm, to walk on water, to raise people from death. He raised Lazarus and he raised himself from death. These are his rights. They're not ours. Not everyone is healed in the way we desire or when we demand it. We are not immortal and we are of this world. We're not immune from the impact of this world. We can be healed by the action of others and the very matter of existence in the world can heal. And also Jesus can step in and take direct action. Now to finish, I want to have a, a short story. I don't know who wrote the story, so I'm sorry I can't give it the right credits, but I didn't write it. It's one that some of you may have heard before. So this is a story about a shipwrecked sailor bouncing around in a raft in the middle of the ocean. He keeps praying that God will send a miracle and save him. Soon, a plane circles overhead and lands on the water and taxis over to him offering help. No thanks, the old sailor shouts. I'm waiting for God to help me. A little while later, a ship appears on the horizon, pulls alongside the raft and begins to lower a ladder to the helpless man. The passengers on board are lining the rail, excited to witness a spectacular rescue at sea. But their ears can hardly believe it, for again the old sailor shouts, no thanks, I'm waiting for God to help me. Finally, a Coast Guard helicopter is summoned. But again, the man waves off the rescuer, shouting, I'm waiting for God to help me. The man died waiting. As the story goes on, we find him at the gates of heaven, annoyed with God. Why didn't you send the help you promised, he complained. I did, God replies. I sent an aeroplane, a ship and a helicopter. What more do you want? It's a story, but we are to remember that God loves us as we are. We come to him with whatever faith and belief we have. And he will always work and act to our good. It might not be the way we expect.
Amen.
in this podcast is adapted from recorded Zoom services held by Teambridge Methodist Circuit Coastal Section. Full videos can be viewed on their YouTube channel. Music is taken from worship audio tracks, all rights reserved. <laughs>